And good afternoon and welcome to everybody to Deering Live, the second of the IBMA week. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a really good, uh, fun week so far. And today is no exception. Um, so for those of you at the beginning of, I guess, what would be the quarantine back in March, um, we started doing a, a live session. This is what started this whole project. Um, on maintenance and, and other tips uh, featuring our VP of Operations, Mr. Chad Kopatik. Um And so we wanted to bring that back uh, because, quite frankly, he's a valuable asset and a treasure of Daring Banjo Company. And we're going to revisit um, pretty much all of the ones that we did before, um, as well as some new ones as we go forth. And we'll start mixing them in with the, uh, with the guests uh, and interviews. Um, and hopefully bring you uh, a lot more information that will be preserved. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Mr. Chad Kapadik. There he is. Hey, everybody. Good to see you again. How are you doing, Chad? Things are good. It's a little warm today, but uh, we're doing all right. How are you, Jamie? Uh, yeah, I'm good. We've got, what, 100? Uh, I believe last check was about 104, so it's... Uh, it is ripping hot, about 20% humidity, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, 104 with 20%. It's, um, it's yeah. dry. Uh, most, well, you have glasses on. My confidence is kind of oh, yeah. melted onto my eyeballs at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, hey. these are, this is why I'm, I gave up contacts. Uh, back to the eyeglasses. Well, yeah. we're going to need to see some stuff today, so we're yeah. excited to have you back. Um, and today we're going to be covering uh, well, mainly string changing. Um, we recently announced our new partnership with, with GHS Strings, which yeah. is super exciting. Um, and we're going to venture into some kind of what happens after this from right. intonation, some basic setup. All the, all the little details you need to kind of check out on the banjo after you do the string change. Uh, because really, there's since everything's moving on the banjo, it really needs a constant kind of attention to keep the, uh, the tone and playability right there for whoever's uh, behind the banjo so absolutely and most importantly for those people outside listening to the banjo make sure it's a nice pleasant sound excellent well we've already got comments in the chat Hot saying um that uh, people love the maintenance videos so without further ado it's the chat all right so uh the way i like to start my string changing uh number one is a nice pack of strings so on our website, uh, we have these nicely packaged GHS strings uh, on all of the banjos. Well, 95% of the banjos that leave here, we use our Deering light gauge set um, with few exceptions like the uh, Ten Brooks and the Terry Baca models and a couple others have their own kind of custom gauges. Um, one of the first things people like to do is remove the old strings. And I like to discourage people from removing all of the old strings at the same time because this little guy the bridge goes flying and then you're really at square zero when you have to reset your bridge hopefully your bridge is close to intonated which means in the correct spot uh, lengthwise from the nut so i like to do one string at a time to uh, kind of minimize how much adjustment i need to do from uh, after i'm done with the strings a lot of people have asked, how do I know when is a good time to change my strings? There's a couple ways to tell, and it really depends on how much you're playing the banjo. Uh, 
top professionals who are playing uh, an hour or two every day need to change their strings almost daily uh, because they'll beat them up enough to where uh, they just won't quite stay in tune or have the brightness that they need. Um, for the hobbyist that's playing, you know, a couple times a week, um, what I like to do is really feel the string, run my hand up and down it, and if it doesn't feel nice and smooth anywhere along the string, if it feels a little rough uh, texture-wise, um, that means the string's starting to get corroded. And that happens from the oils in your skin as well as just the uh, natural environment you're playing in, the moisture in the air and stuff. So um, that's one good way to tell. It's just kind of run, pull your string up, run your finger up and down the string. And if it's not nice and smooth and clean, go ahead and put a new set on there. Um, so let's uh, start with a good pair of cutters. It's my favorite part. Uh, I like to secure one, one half of the string and stay away from the other half as I cut because those little guys can hurt. Uh, I always start with the G string and work my way kind of out from there. Open up our fancy uh, vacuum sealed pack here. And fortunately, they tell you which string goes where, so we'll start with the, uh, the old number 13. And each of these strings is individually sealed, so they uh, last quite a long time uh, when you're not when you haven't used them yet. Not like the old school paper paper pouch days. So when I do the uh, G string here, I like to take the uh, the end of the string that'll go in the tuner because I have to thread it through the hole in the tailpiece, and just put a little kink in the string. Makes it a little easier to uh, fissure through. I'll go down through that hole there, and up and over, hook it into the tailpiece, and thread her through the post. Now the way I wind a string, uh, it kind of overlaps itself, um, so it really locks it to the post and minimizes the amount of slippage you can get, especially on the thinner gauges like the 10. Um, where slippage can be a little bit of an issue if you don't have enough windings on it or if you don't lock the string in. So the way I like to do it is get a good string winder. Uh, we use the uh, Music Nomad ball bearing string winder uh, in the factory here. Great winder, available on the website. So first I'll start winding and I'll keep myself uh, a few inches of slack in it. That way I make sure I get enough windings around the post um, to really minimize the amount of slippage. So the first thing I'm going to do is let that slack sticking out run underneath my string. And then as I come around, and I'll, we'll get you a real nice close-up of this on the next string, um, because this is kind of where it gets important. So the next go around that slack here is going to go over the top of this string and create what I call a little X. And as it goes around, that X kind of cinches down around the slack of the string, really pinches it in place, keeps it from slipping. And as I do the strings, I'm not too concerned with getting them all the way up to pitch right away. Uh, I'll just get them kind of 
kind of close and then uh, do the final tuning later. One of the nice things about doing this method where the string's kind of crossing over itself is I can actually break this slack off and there won't be anything left around the post to poke me and draw blood uh, because it, it hurts. So um, if this part doesn't break off, a good pair of cutters will, uh, will come in handy. But you saw just a little twist and now I can run my finger all the way around that post and it doesn't poke you. Um, that's kind of something Jens Kruger showed me uh, one day when I was in the back here tuning and he walked by and saw me cutting strings and he said, you know, when I was playing on the street a lot, uh, busking in the old days, I wore out so many wire cutters and nail clippers trying to keep my strings cut. I figured out if you wrap the string a certain way, you can snap it off real quick and then you don't have all the string hanging around either. So um, next I'll work on the two outside strings, the first and fifth string, the two tens. And for this, I'm gonna move up to the camera and we'll uh, get a nice close-up shot of that string wrapping over itself. So bear with me here for a sec. The man behind the camera, Mr. Jamie, is gonna be uh, assisting with this part here. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this comes across well. <laughs> you ready? Yes, All right. So first we'll cut this and then unwrap it from the post. Now with the uh, few tens of thousands of banjos I've strung up and restrung for people, people get real creative with knots. And uh, I try to discourage that as much as possible because nobody needs tetanus as they're removing old strings. So we'll grab a 10 here. Hook it on the tailpiece underneath and get it in the bridge slot. So, so I'll start it like that, keep myself a good amount of slack. And then as I slowly start to wind and the string moves around the backside there, I'll pull it tight and keep some tension on it. And hopefully you can see that slack going underneath the string here. And while I'm doing it, I'm keeping this string above that's what's wrapped here. Then I'll bend up that slack. And as the string comes around, I'll kind of put it in the nut slot. And then the string will kind of move itself underneath the slack there and create that little X. And as I wrap around, these guitar style tuners kind of have a tapered shaft to them, which allows the string to bunch up against itself, make itself really tight. Um, our standard planetary tuners have a pretty straight shaft, so to keep it tight, um, you're going to kind of need to get your fingernail in there and just keep it bunched up real nice and clean. Otherwise, they have a tendency to spread out and not get a real clean, tight winding. Went a little much on this one. <laughs> but that's all right. So, so once I'm there, I'll take that slack, bend it back and forth a couple of times, pops right off, and then you can run your finger all the way around that post. Uh, 
without poking yourself. And that's just mental fatigue, right? When you're bending it back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Once Jens showed me, I went, oh my gosh, that's genius. That's, that's excellent. <laughs> excellent tip. I love it. And I've, uh, I've impressed a lot of people by doing this even on bass guitars. Uh, because if you wrap them right, you can break them right off, and everybody goes, oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, just to reiterate, we'll do this this other uh, this B string here real quick. Okay. And then uh, we'll move it back out. Good old number eleven there. tension on it, let the slack as I turn go underneath until it comes back around. Bend that slack up a little bit and then let it pull the string to the underside there and it'll make a nice little, little cross action there. And calm down the winder here. And winder up. Her off. Now, if it doesn't snap, it's more than likely because that little cross action isn't there, um, and just break out a pair of cutters and cut it off. So, all right, I'm going to move back to home base here, and uh, we'll continue. There you go. <laughs> We're professionals. <laughs> Somebody kind of pointed out we do uh, banjos better than we do uh, productions. Yes, yes. We, we like to focus on the banjo first, and uh, everything else is second after that. <laughs> As it should be, my humble opinion. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right. So uh, we've done one through three, so we'll do four and five here. Real quick. Um, Yeah, string change is, is one of the most important things right next to uh, keeping a nice head tension. So we always go through and check that after we do our strings and everything. I'm going to put that nice wound string in there. Whoa. Chad, I think we can do a close-up on the gentleman in the chat. Mm -hmm. um, Show us, please, how you're keeping the tension on the string with your left hand. Okay. So I'll kind of open my hand up here a little bit so you can see what I'm doing. I'm kind of using the bottom of my palm to hold the string against the fingerboard. And in my first finger, I'm hooking around that string. And so I get a nice pivot off the bottom of my palm up over my, my index finger down to the tuner. Hopefully that helps. Let that slack go underneath. Bend it up. It kind of pull itself over the top there. And then as the string gets tighter, I just kind of roll my hand down to the level of the fingerboard um, to keep that tension on there. There's almost nothing more frustrating than having a string unwind itself as you're trying to tighten it around the tuner. 
And then even with the uh, wound string, you can break it off. Or just use a pair of cutters. Cut it as close as you can to the post to uh, minimize the amount of hypodermics on your peg head there. All right, the fifth string, um, we like to add a few extra windings to the fifth string um, just to make sure it stays nice and secure since it's tuned up so high. Oh, sorry, I'm making a mess here on the cable. Get that stuff out the way. Last string, and then the real fun begins. So on this one, same thing, palm, edge of palm kind of on the fingerboard, hooking that string over my index finger and through the post. This one, uh, just for added security, I'll wrap it around the top section twice. Um, a lot of this I learned, obviously, when I started working here, and this is how Greg showed me way back in 1996 how to how to string a banjo. Always always wrap twice around the top of the uh, fifth peg, and then bend that slack up and let it pull itself underneath. And after I do that, I'll set it in the hook. Now the post on all of our fifth pegs has that dual taper. Um, kind of coning down to the, the post hole so it uh, it'll wrap itself real nice and tight around that and then break it off if you don't break this off a good tip uh, that I like to do is thread this slack back through the post so you get a nice kind of loop going into the post and then right before it starts to really pull tight cut it and that edge of the string will spring back into the post on the fifth peg and that's another way to kind of minimize the amount of string sticking out of the fifth peg so it doesn't poke you as you're playing all right so now you got all the strings on there um, want to do an initial tuning and then we'll kind of go through and double check everything uh, and then do a final tuning so like to have a tuner handy because uh, I was not blessed with perfect pitch where I can tune by ear so this is just a real quick and dirty rough tune to get the strings to start to settle. Um, after I get the strings first tuned, I'll tighten the head up. Just go around with a nice T-wrench um, at each hook all the way around. Make sure you have a nice even tension and the head's not loosening up too much. What'll happen is when the head loosens up, the strings actually get lower and harder to play because then you can start getting uh, random fret buzzing um, and just really kind of dull tone to the banjo so even just a, a quarter to half a turn on each hook as you go around um, 
tends to do it. This will also help your bridge last a lot longer because the bridge can start sinking and getting the contour of that head molded into the uh, bridge itself. And then your G string starts getting lower than your first and fifth strings and uh, so on. After I go around once, I'll go around the second time, just a little nudge, make sure they all feel the same. I've had a lot of people ask, what torque settings do we use? Uh, we haven't found a torque wrench accurate enough to really give us a good indication as to what um, what would be a good torque setting for that. Uh, drum dials, again, we haven't found one that's accurate enough. I can change uh, the note of the head almost three full steps before the drum dial ever starts counting anything that I've changed. And that's just not sensitive enough. So I like to get this drum head up to a GG sharp range. Um, I have had people who play them all the way down in E, like that nice kind of hollow, warm, super warm sound. Uh, other people have gone all the way up to A. Um, so really it becomes a super personalized kind of feel and sound. And that's kind of the beauty of, a, of the banjo is it really is super uh, kind of adjustable and, and really uh, able to fit whatever you're looking for as long as you're willing to give it a little tweak now and then. So. Go all the way around here, and then I'll mute the strings and give it a nice whack with my thumb. I want it to be a nice, sharp, crisp kind of snap without a lot of woo, 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 kind of mid-range, low kind of note to it. I want a nice, bright um, snare kind of sound. Once I've done that, uh, I'm going to start checking my co-rods back here make sure they're nice and tight um, and everything's snug down. So what I want to do gently lay the banjo face down, loosen up the inside and outside nut on the co-rod. If you have that second co-rod in there just loosen that, uh, that nut in there. A nice eighth inch allen wrench will fit the holes in the co-rod nicely and just make sure your neck's nice and snug to the pot. Don't get uh, too, uh, too aggressive with it and start crushing the uh, washers and the co-rods into the pot. You don't want to distort it too much, but you want a nice firm connection. Once you have that, leave that in there. And again, just get these nuts nice and firm so they're nice and... Uh, nice and snugged up on there because you want that solid knock on the co-rod. You don't want uh, any kind of rattle or anything coming off there. I don't know how many phantom buzzes I've had to deal with that were just this washer inside because that nut here is loose. Uh, I like to say the banjo is a living, breathing instrument. It's constantly changing uh, with the climates it's in and everything. So this is something that just really needs to be done Every time you change your strings, um, just go over it real quick. Make sure all the adjustments are nice and nice and tight. 
So once I've done that, I can start doing a final tune and checking my bridge placement. As I tighten my head, the bridge can actually uh, move with the head. And so as I'm stretching this skin tighter, the bridge will move back a little bit. And so your intonation will start getting off. You need to check that every time you tighten your head. question. Um, the reason that there are generally two dots at the 12th fret is because 12th fret essentially is splitting the string in half, more or less, um, and it becomes the octave mark. Now that octave mark means that the notes start over after the t at the 12th fret, from the open string to, chord to uh, fretted at the 12th fret. Because the banjo bridge is uh, straight, Sometimes they're compensated a little bit with the crescent shape or uh, slotted a little different. Um, we can't individually intonate each string. So we like to intonate the first and fourth string because that's really the best we can do without uh, developing a whole different bridge system. So, so this, <clears throat> this D on the fourth string needs to be the exact same on the tuner, open as it is fretted. That's just a little bit short. Is that same fret for, uh, on a long neck as well? So with the 12th fret, right? Or is it? <laughs> Good question. It's the fifth, on a long neck, it's the 15th fret. Yeah. Uh, right? I, I go backwards on this all the time. Yeah. It's either the 15th or the 9th. No, yeah, because we have three frets above the nut, yeah. so it moves it to the ninth fret, uh -huh. which long necks is a whole different ball of wax. It's really kind of fun. Um, and, uh, but all tenors, it's the 12th fret. Uh, our parlor, or sorry, our juniors, we remade those, it's the 12th fret. The ukulele's 12th fret. Um, so, because the bridge is a little sharp, I need to move it towards the tailpiece and lengthen the amount of string uh, from the nut to the bridge here. And I'm just gonna kinda gently lift a little bit and slide it back towards the tailpiece. Small adjustments go a long way uh, with this, so if your tuner's showing just slightly sharp, a little tiny adjustment uh, should do it. Don't get uh, too overboard uh, and move it too far back, otherwise you'll start getting into completely different notes. Just a touch flat, move it up a little bit. One way to compare it to is also against the harmonic that you can hit at the 12th fret. string so now I need to check the first string
So now that I have the, uh, the head tightened up, the neck nice and secured to the rim, nice fresh set of strings on there, uh, she's good to go. Uh, that's pretty much a string change overall. All right. Well, I have a couple questions. I like questions. Uh, I'm not going to turn my mic on because this is causing echo. Oh. But, um, so a couple of people have asked similar questions in as much as if you need to change string gauges. Mm -hmm. uh, so Colin is asking, if you change string gauges, is it likely the head tension needs to be adjusted? Do different way strings put different tension on the head? And likewise, um, uh, Maddie is asking, if I was to switch my strings from a light to a medium, mm -hmm. my eyes in a good time too, would I need to make adjustments to the head or neck? So maybe if you could... Uh... Sure. Uh, yeah, obviously if you, if you uh, put a heavier set of strings on there, it will compress the head a little bit more. Um, and you'll need to tight, tighten the head up just a little bit, mostly to get the action back to where it needs to be. Um, but a lot of people are putting heavier gauge strings on to kind of get a mellower tone. So sometimes leaving the head where it's at um, allows you to get just a, a kind of deeper, rounder sound. You don't want to sharpen your head tension too much and take away the, the tone difference in the medium gauge strings. So it is kind of a balancing act. A little bit tighter, not a bad thing, um, but again, it's it's really a personal preference. Um, now, if you're if you put the mediums on, let's say, and your action does go down a little bit, but you really love the sound of it, and and it has that warmth that you're looking for, and you don't want to tighten the head to get the string height to go up a little bit, you can do small adjustments using the coordinator rod to adjust a little bit on the string action. So I can show you that real quick. Um, if you have that bottom coordinator rod, again, just loosen that nut uh, that's in, in the pot here and kind of get it out of the way for a minute. Um, if we need to raise our action just a little bit, again, don't do drastic adjustments using this method. Um, any more than a full turn on these coordinator rod nuts is just a little too much. You start really distorting the pot and you can start restricting the amount of tone you're getting out of it. Um, so to raise the action a little bit, what we we'll want to do is loosen this outside nut on this coordinator rod that passes all the way through the pot. Then we want to tighten this inside nut and I only go a quarter turn at a time. Quarter turn can make a big difference flip it over and look at the string height above the 22nd fret here or the last fret on whatever instrument you're playing. We like to set it out of gearing at an eighth of an inch. So should be able to take an eighth of an inch um, drill bit or something and slide it underneath the string and just brush the bottom of that string as it crown as the, the drill bit kind of crowns over the top of the fret. Now this is again a totally uh, personalized adjustment. Some people are able to play with extremely low action without any buzzing or difficulty. Some people like a much higher action. Um, 
because they're a little heavier on the picking end of things and need that extra room for the strings to move. So uh, eighth inch is kind of in the middle and we find most people can do slight adjustments to really dial that in. Now let's say after I tighten my head, my, my string height has gone way too high. We want to do the adjustment and what we, uh, the adjustment on the coordinator rod, the opposite of what we just did. It's where we loosen this inside nut and take this outside one, as soon as I make it back to the pot here, um, and just do a quarter turn on the outside. And then flip it over and take a look, and you'll see the actions drop down just a little bit. Once we find the sweet spot for our playing style, Take and snug those nuts, the opposing nut up. Make sure you get that nice tight uh, sound off of the uh, coordinator rod there. So, really, the whole thing uh, got to find that sweet spot for you. It's uh, one of those things that just takes a little bit of a little bit of tweaking to, to figure out. Nice. All right. So Joe is asking. He's got a couple of different questions, both related. Uh, firstly, do you have to adjust the tailpiece in any of this process? Now, you have to look at my banjo in front of you. I do not. Uh, we'll talk about the good time tailpiece first. And then. So the good time tailpiece uh, was designed, uh, one, for as few moving parts as possible to make really an introductory instrument that doesn't require a tailpiece adjustment to give you a good tone. Um, let me grab one of these fabulous deerings I have laying around and kind of show, uh, show you what uh, is good on a tailpiece adjustment. We have any good open it's backs? Right All right, I'll be right back. <laughs> be right back, folks. It's a very good question, though. Yes. A good time is a fixed tail uh, tailpiece, so no adjustment either can be done. Yeah. Um, much less should be done. So, so uh, Comparing these two side by side here, you'll see the good time here versus the Vega here. The Vega has a lot more going on, and that does need to be adjusted every time you change your head tension because the tension hoop uh, moves lower, obviously, the more you tighten it. Now, Again, this adjustment becomes kind of another way on the, uh, the adjustable tailpiece end to adjust the tone of your banjo. Because one of the cool things about this, uh, the Deering True Tone tailpiece, is you can adjust the brake angle off the back of your bridge. The steeper the angle off the back of your bridge, the brighter the notes are going to be. The less, the less sustain is also going to be there. So you're going to get that nice kind of staccato, just note, note, note sound without any kind of overtones rolling into it. We like to adjust these tail pieces to where they make contact with the top of the tension hoop to give you a nice solid sound as you tap on the top of it. To adjust that, again, you take your, your key wrench here and what I'll do is I'll press down on the top of that, kind of squeeze the bottom of the rim. For resonator models, you need to take the resonator off the back of the banjo in order to get access to this. 
and just gently tighten the nut underneath either the flange or the tailpiece bracket. And you'll start getting that real kind of dead clunk, which is what we want. We don't want tailpiece contributing a lot to the tone of the banjo. We want the strings to kind of stop moving when they hit the tailpiece. We want all the movement between whatever's being fretted and the bridge. We want that head to move. We don't want the tailpiece to move. So once we have that done, what we're going to do is adjust the amount of brake angle in it by loosening or tightening the adjustment screw here. I just made it pretty loose so I can move it with my fingers. Um, again, the less brake angle down to the tailpiece off the back of the bridge, the warmer it's going to be. The tighter this is, we never take this tailpiece all the way down to touch the head because then it's interfering with the movement of the head. We don't want that. You can take it right, right above the head if you really want that bright, crisp note. Um, or if you want that warmer note, again, just backing it off a little bit. To, uh, to this adjustment, I never use a, a screwdriver on this. What I'll do is I'll press down on the front of the tailpiece and just give it a turn until I make contact. And then back off my hand and then I can't move that without a screwdriver now. So um, if you want more tension on there, just push down a little bit more on the front of your tailpiece here and use your fingers to tighten that screw up. Um, it is important on these adjustable tailpieces, every string change, every time you uh, tighten the head to really give a look at these. Uh, I have been <laughs> at, a, uh, at a sold out stadium show uh, up in Anaheim, <laughs> right right before the uh, artist went out and opened his show with our uh, with our banjo, uh, I was going over these adjustments with his road tech, and uh, I was telling him, "Gotta adjust this tailpiece," and I kind of gave it a little tap, and the tailpiece went flying because the nut back here had come off while they were <laughs> in transit. So. It's really important to keep that nice and snug, as well as this adjustment uh, screw back here. So hopefully that covered your questions on how to adjust a tailpiece. Yeah. Are those of you a good time to worry? Those of you with uh, upper lines in Vegas, there's, uh, there's your answer. Um, a couple of questions uh, earlier on in the chat. Um, one of our very fine people was asking about the longevity of the strings. Um, Particularly now that we're using the nitro packs mm -hmm. with, with GHS, uh, you know, part of that is, is basically they, they last. For, 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 yeah, as long as they're in that sealed pack. As right. soon as they're broken, uh, you don't, yeah. you know, they start to deteriorate right away. So. And then previously it would, it would have been a paper right. envelopes, um, at which point you are completely at the mercy of whatever the environment you are in, mm -hmm. or whatever they've been stored in, whatever the, the, the dealer had them kept in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen so many strings come out, uh, you know, in those paper pouches from the case, and they're almost as corroded as what was on the banjo. So these nitro packs really do make those strings last forever uh, until you pull them out and put them on the banjo. Absolutely. Um, and then um, Banjo Duster is asking about string lube. 
I've used various streamers over the, over the years. And, yeah. Uh, Fast Rack's a popular brand uh, by GHS. Uh, we have the music moment. Right, the string fuel. The string fuel. Yeah. yeah. They, do, uh, they do help remove the oils after you're done playing and, and make it a little smoother. Uh, they make the strings last longer on the banjo, on your instruments. I, I definitely uh, say use it. Um, it's, it's a handy thing to have in your in your case. In right? your arsenal, yeah, absolutely. It's it's not a it's not a bad thing. It also protects it. At, you know, if you're traveling around and moving through different humidities of climates, it does kind of seal up the string a little bit and keep that uh, keep that environmental wear to a minimum. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Also helps clean the fingerboard a little bit. Which we do have um, the F1 oil. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If if you do want to really clean the fingerboard, if you look at it and you see uh, various odds and ends growing on there, um, or if you see a kind of a grime buildup around the frets, uh, go ahead and loosen up all the strings and move them off the fingerboard. I kind of set them off to the side of the nut, uh, as well as to the sides of the bridges, giving me kind of access to the full fingerboard. Um, we use a little 4 aught steel wool, give it a good scrubbing to break all that stuff down, and then a nice coat of F1 oil from uh, Music Nomad, um, or a good, uh, good non-acidic oil, like an almond oil or something like that is also, also handy. Just a nice light coat uh, with, a, with a rag, let it sit for a couple minutes, then take a clean rag and give it a good kind of scrubbing really get all that extra oil off, make sure it doesn't stay built up around the fret because that becomes a magnet for dirt and, and finger dirt and stuff. It's, some, not, uh, it's not pretty. <laughs> oh man, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, it's worth noting as well that the, just about everything that Chad is using from the string winder to the cube to the strings obviously and a lot of the tools that he has are available where? DeeringBanjos.com. Uh, we have an excellent web store where we try to supply everything needed for banjo heads, strings, bridges, uh, you name it. Our awesome new cool uh, wooden armrest covers that uh, are just amazing. I'm a personal fan as uh, I was part of the development team on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, really, uh, and you know, getting into head changes and all that kind of stuff is uh, it's not as difficult, I think, as a lot of people tend to think it is. So down the road, we can get uh, get into that and really kind of. Well, Chad, I mean, you're quick. Has been a pleasure today talking to you. Um, oh, we just got one more question, but it's okay. We're gonna answer that next time. Um, one more thing. Oh, For those of you that don't know, it's Chad's birthday today. Okay, so hold on. You can't, you can't walk in here and not <laughs> say who delivered the, the, the cake. Yeah. I don't know if I'm in the screen. Hi. It's Jamie Deering. It's Chad's birthday today. So, on behalf of all of us at Deering Bandit Company, we heard uh, a little rumor that it was your birthday. Yes. Happy birthday, sir. Thank Happy you. Happy birthday. 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 Happy birth
Not that it's a small representation of my age. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, that's everything from us. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you for the earlier time tomorrow of uh, 11 a.m. Pacific time with Miss Ashley Campbell. See you then.